Welcome to Voices, an FBC podcast. Uh, we're really glad everyone is here, and this is episode three of Voices. Uh, we are here today with Jeremy and Danny Hamilton, and uh, you're going to get to hear some of their story and some of their experiences, and I know you're going to be blessed. I know you're going to be encouraged. Uh, I think you're going to be challenged a little bit, and it's, uh, it's just so exciting uh, to have you guys here. And uh, as I was telling the Hamiltons earlier, is that that as we were processing who we should ask to, to come on for episode three, uh, Joanna and I started talking about the Hamiltons, and uh, we've been able to get to know them from church and from theater, and and actually Joanna met Danny early on uh, while they were working on one of the shows, and uh, and developed a friendship, and uh, these two have been to the house, and uh, kids have played together, and we are longing for days where we can do that again. Is is good to hang out. <laughs> and spend some time together. And so um, their heart is amazing. They're amazing people. Uh, whether you have met them or you will meet them in the future, uh, you definitely want to get to know them and you'll get to know them here today. Uh, so we see Liberty's joining us. And uh, Joan said she is willing to help anyone. And she says it with capital letters, anyone. Uh, so reach out to Joan Chapman. She will give you whatever advice you need and uh, she'll make sure that's good. And then Andrew Peters, who has raised gardens as well, says his favorite is watermelon. Uh, pick it, slice it, and eat it. <laughs> and uh, and Drew is one of those guys that live up north, like loves the cold weather. Um, he just loves the frigid temperatures. Uh, <laughs> are you two? What what climate is is your favorite to live in? Cold weather person. This heat, I'm already like I hate summer. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Anywhere mountains, rivers, water, somewhere where it's cooler. You know, uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot, but you know, I grew up here in Michigan and then moved away and we were out west and, and then we have been back here for three three and a half years now. And I just don't remember it being so humid as, as what it is and it's miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it is the, the mugginess can really get to you. So, so you guys were out west. Tell us about your time out west. What, where were you at? What were you doing? What was that like out there for you? I was born in Colorado, and then I moved to Texas to go to school and met him while I was down in the south, in Louisiana. In Louisiana, <laughs> I went to school right on the border between Texas and Louisiana, and so. Uh, but then after we we moved back to Colorado and, um, you know, lived there for six years. How long did we live there? Five years? For six years. A long time. And um, the, I don't know, do I go into the whole story or do I, do you just want to hear about the, <laughs> tell us tell us what's important to you okay. okay so while we were living in Colorado in 2010 um, I had a stroke my first stroke and uh, over the next month and a half or so I continued to have more and they just didn't really know why and so it just kind of was surprising um we sidestep we have two boys chance is 13 and grant is 10. so at that time grant was a baby he's 
nine months old. And um, so I had a toddler and a nine month old baby and I had a stroke. And so <laughs> um, they just didn't really know I had taken birth control and it was kind of a perfect storm. Was it birth control? Was it having a new baby? I was working nights. Was it working nights? They don't really know. And I never recovered. Um, things just continued to go downhill and go downhill and go downhill. And they kept wondering, like, why are you not getting better? You should be recovering and you should be making progress. And then the next summer, it happened again. And I was back in the hospital, but worse. Um, I couldn't walk and I couldn't talk. And I had to go into a rehabilitation center and learn to walk and talk. And, um, you know, so it's this year, May 2nd was my 10-year anniversary. <laughs> but, you know, I've been diagnosed with many autoimmune diseases and uh, just many things that we never, ever expected. And I've been in and out of the hospital many times and lost my ability to have kids. And, you know, if I hadn't had the boys when I did, I wouldn't have had kids. And I'm so thankful to have them um, because it was divine timing. If I didn't have them when I did, I wouldn't have them. And I'm so, you know, all I ever wanted to be was mom. And I, I am because I got them right when I did. And, um, there, there are blessings too, is that your boys are amazing. And, uh, and I think it's for, for a parent to say they, they are like a divine gift is mm -hmm. that sometimes people just say that, but then there's situations like you're describing where it was by the hand of God and the grace of God that that mm -hmm. all unfolded. So if I can, if, we'll continue on. If I can yeah. go back a little bit, is that, you said 10 years ago. Sorry, I'm gonna, this is going to identify your age. How old were you 10 years ago? 24. So you were 24 years old. And if you're just joining us or you didn't hear her clearly, at 24, she had a stroke and continued to have strokes. And so that first stroke that you had, what was, Danny, what was that like for you? And then also Jeremy. Um, and what was, what was that experience like for you guys individually and together? Go ahead. I'll, I'll answer first. <laughs> so, uh, you know, finally, you know, strangely enough, the night before it happened, we were at her parents' house and we were looking at old family photos and just different family things. And uh, I don't remember which family member now that I'm on the spot, but there's a family member of hers that had had a stroke. And so, you know, we kind of had just talked about it. And, I, and then, you know, like the next night, then middle of the night, she comes to wake me up <laughs> and I knew immediately that she had a stroke, <laughs> you know, not knowing, I guess, had it not been that day, had it been a week earlier, I wouldn't have known. I'd have been really, you know, flustered if I wasn't already <laughs> at odds of, uh, you know, what's going on. <laughs> but I knew immediately that she had a stroke and, you know, called 911 and, so you didn't call 911. You called my sister and you had to drive me to the hospital. Um, 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she remembers that. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to crack that button. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Danny, what was it? What do you remember of that? I mean, do you remember well, the experience? It was, I do. Um, so, Grant was a baby and he woke up and was hungry. So, I was just getting up to go and make him a bottle, do our normal thing, feed him in the middle of the night. And uh, he, I just started feeling like, drunken sailor and one of my legs was running and one of my legs was walking and I ran into the door out of our bedroom and I was like what's going on I must be really tired but I didn't really think anything of it and then as I was walking down the hall I'm swaying down the hall and then I was hit with just nausea I am gonna throw up if I don't get to the floor and so I kind of crawled into the kitchen, but I was still like, I must just be sick. Maybe I have a bug, I don't know. And so I crawl into the kitchen and by the time I got to the kitchen, I just had to lay down. And, um, but I knew that I couldn't like talk, that I was recognizing that things weren't working, right? And Grant fell back asleep, which he never did. He was a very colicky baby and never, ever went back to sleep. And so it was amazing, a miracle that he went back to sleep. And so I, I managed to crawl back to our bedroom and, um, you know, get out that I needed help. I need your help. And he woke up. He's pretty hard. He's a hard to wake up. <laughs> and hard to wake up. Um, but he woke up and it was like, he knew immediately, I know what this is. And um, so the, I've always struggled with migraines. When we got to the hospital, they thought I was having a complicated migraine and didn't believe that because of my age that I was having a stroke. And so um, many, many, many tests. But then they were like, you know what, I, we think that it is a stroke. And I had to be transferred from the hospital that I was at to a different hospital that was a stroke center. And um, so, you know, it was very, it was just a whole lot to take in really fast. <laughs> and, um, but I felt prepared early on. Uh, <laughs> Just, I always rocked Grant at night to put him to bed. And uh, one night I had just an overwhelming kind of hit me in the face feeling that do not be afraid. And I was like, whoa, wait, <laughs> don't be afraid of what? <laughs> and, um, and then probably within two or three days that happened. And I didn't feel afraid purely because I felt prepared through that and um so you know and that has been kind of a common thread through our life you know don't be afraid you're you're not built for fear and you can you can face it you can get through this because you weren't built for fear and do not be afraid so 
So that's that's a huge statement. I love that. You are not built for fear. Um, mm-hmm. Someone needs to hear that right now. Is that you're <laughs> not built for fear? Um, but yet our bodies, our minds, our hearts respond like as like a defense mechanism or whatever it may be. I'm sure there's someone much smarter than than I uh, on here that can can fully explain that. But we respond with that fear, but we're not built for it, and it's so just detrimental to us. So when you had that really spoken over you, when you heard that, how how did you how did that carry on? How did that continue to be a voice of encouragement? I mean, over the whole ten years, but especially as these strokes continued on, what was that? What was that message for you, and how did you unpack that? I feel like um, kind of. It's like every medical procedure, I didn't feel, I've never felt afraid to actually have the procedures done. Probably the most upsetting ones are MRIs. I don't like to have an MRI. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't feel as afraid to have a, a procedure done. It's kind of the after effects. I have a harder time seeing a doctor. I have a harder time because I've had um, more unpleasant interactions with doctors and so you know through time i've gone on to we later moved to oregon after we were there and so while i was in oregon i um was incredibly just uh iron deficient and they were like how are you even alive you don't have any iron in your blood and so um, they wanted to do an iron infusion. I had a anaphylactic reaction to my iron infusion. And then, so they tried to remedy it through, um, I had a uterine ablation and then I ended up having a hysterectomy. And, um, but those were very, very traumatic. My hysterectomy, um, I, all of my internal stitches burst mm-hmm. and I, to have it remedied and <laughs> um, and that was very just traumatic and so a lot of my uh, interactions with doctors have been unpleasant and so it's not so much having a procedure done that has made me feel fear it's seeing doctors that's made me feel afraid and um, you know but coming back to that mm-hmm. first interaction of you weren't built for fear. Do not be afraid. And, you know, and knowing that I've had that from the very beginning mm-hmm. and knowing that you have that to hold on to and that even though the circumstances are changing, it doesn't mean that the promise isn't still there. And so, you know, you can always hold on to something. <laughs> there's, there's another good one. You, you were just quotable is even though the circumstances, the, the circumstances are changing. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, uh, I'll give you a call later, buddy. <laughs> yeah, even though the circumstances are changing, that, that doesn't change the promise, and those promises are true. And and you, ten years removed from your first stroke, like you said, you have autoimmune, um, just uh, all sorts of different things that you guys have walked through. I guess what is what does that mean to you guys today? And and I partially frame this question because. Uh, I called early with COVID uh, or, or text Jeremy just saying, hey, you guys good? You need anything? Is there anything I can do for you guys? And Jeremy's response to me was, really nothing has changed for us. This is the way we live anyways. <laughs> and um, and so 
this this new reality to so many of us is what you've been walking through. And so, so how do you hold on to those promises? How do you um, embrace this trust instead of fear uh, today um, in light of COVID, in light of everything you guys have gone through? <laughs> um, you know, our day-to-day hasn't really changed just because I am part of that vulnerable population. Um, and we're homebodies and we are at a home school and so and work from home. <laughs> and he works from home. And so uh you know it didn't really change our normal activities, but it doesn't mean that it hasn't been hard. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it hasn't affected our lifestyle. Um but I know, I guess I, for me, it's like, I know where my promises lie. I know where, I know what happens in the end. And should this be far bigger than some people are, you know, what if this is the end? What if, you know, it could be as, you know, depending on how you're looking at it and your perspective. Well, I know who will, who wins in the end. So I don't have to be afraid. And the red thread running through every hard time of our life is God's provision. His promise for us always. And because we've had very, very hard times of grief. And when we moved here, uh, deep depression, it was like instant depression for me and um, culture shock. Um, and I think that a lot of people are facing that right now with being home. Whoa, this is culture shock. I'm not used to being around or not being around people. And I'm not used to being home all the time. And I'm with my kids all the time and I'm not used to that. And it's a culture shock. And, um, and then you dump fear on top of it. And then you dump all of these, you know, what if I get sick? Or what if my someone in my family dies? Or all of these things that you're just piling on top of it. And um, it's huge. And so the mental piece along with the physical piece is enormous. And I think that the people who are struggling, it's like, yes, that struggle you're not alone in that. And um, that depression that you're feeling, that's very real. And, uh, but that promise of provision is there. That promise of God caring for you is there, regardless of you feeling down. And um, because even though you're feeling so suppressed, you will come out of it. You just have to get to the next five minutes or the next hour or the next day. And um, so I don't know that's kind of what little increments, little bites. <laughs> I love that. You said, you know, just get through the next five minutes, get to the next day, get through the next week. 
and these bite-sized pieces. Because as you said, you know who in, wins in the end because of your faith in Jesus Christ is that you know that there is life beyond life that we experience now. Because, because what I'm going to say to you, you're going you're to understand what I'm going to say, is, is because in your family situation, you are, are, are just better now. You've been prayed for. You've been healed. And, and everything is good and that's why you're telling us this story, right? That's exactly what it is, right? <laughs> Not at all, right? Not at all. Not at all. And, um, you know, most of you have probably never, ever seen my face ever at church. And uh, it's because I have struggled with actually stepping into a church building. I have struggled with not just because of health issues, but for the fact that some people think that healing is, you know, you, I'll pray over you and you'll be healed. And that's not how it works. You know, yes, in the Bible, Jesus healed with immediacy, but in, it's been 10 years that I have had this and I recognize my um, deficits and I know where I am, where I'm at and I'm, and I accept it. Um, but I know that I am, that Jesus has, I have healing, whether in my life now or when we achieve eternity. And that's great. I'm happy with that. But it's really upsetting to other people to not see healing here on earth. And um, even for family members, even for close friends. and. Um, and it was for me for a really long time. When am I just going to get better? When am I just going to be me again? And uh, it took really, I mean, within the last... Since we've moved here. Mm -hmm. to, to really wrestle with uh, that whole kind of who you are and mm -hmm. not rely on who you used to be. <laughs> yes. Would you... Is it fair to say that's acceptance of the reality or is it something different? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's acceptance of the reality, but also learning to love and accept who you've become. And because when you're critically injured or critically ill or chronically ill, um, you are immediately someone new and you know, you can never change that and can't change the way that that happened to you. Um, and you're forever different. So, uh, it's that acceptance, but also embracing and loving the fact that it happened and that it has made you someone new and stronger in ways and better in ways because you can be empathetic in ways that other people can't, or um, you can, you have a shared experience in something that other people don't know, but you can see that in someone else. And um, for me, that is empowering. <laughs> Empathy is a powerful gift. Mm -hmm. It's, it's something that you've learned, Danny, Jeremy, 
you have learned it, your boys have learned it, and it's a gift you pass on to others. And I remember one of the early times Joanna and I hung out with the two of you, um, you know, you guys left the house and Joanna and I were just like, whoa, it was <laughs> this moment of like, of, of seeing your guys' faith, um, of seeing what God has done in you and through you. And it, I, I felt changed. It was like, <laughs> and, and I don't say that dramatically, but and Joanna would say the same thing. We had conversations afterwards, just being encouraged that, uh, you know, God's doing a work and it's not what you guys planned. Uh, it's not what you guys necessarily, you know, like saw, saw life being, um, but you, you are in it and you're embracing each other. Um, Jeremy, how, how have you walked alongside Danny? Like how has, how has this marriage changed you? I mean, the reality of knowing Danny and, and, and walking these 10 years together and more with marriage too. <laughs> more that too, but especially these last 10 years. Um, you know, I think it's just, it's opened maybe my eyes to just how selfless I am. Um, you know, there's so much that you know, maybe we expected within our marriage to kind of different low goals and things that we thought our marriage would look like by now, but um, you know, all that got thrown out the window and, you know, you have to kind of pick up the pieces and, and move on. And, um, you know, I know that we've had friends and family members who have questioned, you know, like, if this is too hard, you know, you should just back away. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's never passed my mind. That's never, never even fathomed it. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just going to say, he's, so selfless and you know because there are times there's been months and months and months and months where I haven't been able to get off the couch or um, bathe myself or you know do certain things and he has to do everything and so from taking care of me having a new kid basically and he has to take care of the boys and cook and clean and work and shop and do everything. And he, you know, is a smiley guy. He just <laughs> takes care of it all and does it all in stride and doesn't question it. And, you know, just deep acceptance and love. And that is really okay. That feels good to know that. Yeah. Cause we're easy to love when we're at our best. <laughs> And I think that we're challenged when we're at a different point than that of, and we question like, will, will Joanna still love me when I'm at my worst? Mm -hmm. And, um, and to see love demonstrated both in word and action doesn't, doesn't mean you guys didn't have your low moments and, you know, frustrations by any means, but, mm -hmm. but an ongoing reality, like you're communicating here today is that this is, this is, this is love. This is commitment. This is, well, God has called you guys to walk through, and, and it's painful. One of the things we were talking about earlier, uh, when we chatted earlier today, was the word patience. <laughs> and I see patience all over the two of you, but but patience not in the sense, like I said earlier, is that like I'm going to wait 15 minutes for my pizza to bake in the oven. That's me being patient instead of hitting the microwave. 
Rather, the true root word is long suffering. To be patient means to suffer. And, and we don't understand that as human beings. We avoid suffering at every cost. And that's some of the pain and frustration that our country is having right now is that we don't know how to be patient. We don't know how to suffer long because we've had all our needs, our wants, our pleasures given to us. And we just go to something new if something's not feeding us. For someone, whether they're dealing with a health issue or dealing with COVID or um, staying at home, whatever it is, is I guess what is what is a way to encourage them in this patience, in this long suffering, um, as you guys have walked through this journey? Do you have anything? Um, <laughs> I feel like. For me, I cannot watch TV. <laughs> I only want, I well, like news. And I can't, that's something I had to stop years and years and years ago because it makes me anxious. It makes me nervous. And um, I don't do it. <laughs> so I feel like if you're feeling a little anxious, turn the TV off. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, Feeding your body, well, that's been something that's been really huge for me in feeling better. And, you know, all of this, I think that being a steward to your body the way that God created it is really important. And um, God has created you divinely. He made you with an amazing body that works for you. And when you're stewarding it well, you'll be really proud of how it helps you. And that has been a big discovery for me. And um, yes, I still have all of this stuff in, in my life, but I am doing my best to work towards great goals. And, um, and I think that, you know, setting small goals. Well, today I'm going to drink more water. Okay, great. Great. Awesome. Good for you. And, you know, just setting small goals or like the, just because it's a struggle for everybody, everybody is struggling right now. And just that kind of, um, the collective <laughs> understanding that everyone is um, battling this, but checking in on like, well, did you drink your water today? <laughs> I drink mine. And <laughs> so I don't know. Those are things that have helped me, like seeing him over the years getting healthier along with me. And um, I think that that has helped us in our struggles, which can, I feel like, relate to a time like this, where people are struggling to find a way to move forward, finding ways that you can put your feet in front of the other, and what small steps can you make. I love that. Stewarding the, the body that God has given to you, whether, however you see it, however others see it, whatever labels have been put on it, uh, mm -hmm. from from whoever 
is that how do you honor God with the temple, right? I mean, we're, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And how do we care for that body? And I love that, that, that measured small steps. So what we're going to do is we're all going to come over and eat the vegetables out of your garden so we can be nice and healthy. And it's going back to our, our conversation early on with, with the garden and, and hence the importance of, of caring well for what you've been gifted. So, so that's, that's physically. And at the same time, it's, it's time um, that you, how do you steward time? So um, Jeremy, when you, when you look at time, you know, we're all given the same amount of time um, in a day. How do you, how do you steward time? How does your family steward time? And what is, what does time mean, uh, especially to you, Jeremy? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, right now, I think it's a a great opportunity, you know, in the stillness of it all to just take that time to pause and, uh, pray to read the word and make sure that we're being, we're feeding ourselves healthy, but we're also feeding our souls, you know, with the good things and the fruits and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, it's a great time for all of us just to spend our time with our family because we're, we're stuck with them right now. <laughs> so true. So true. Danny, what does time mean to you that, in stewarding time? I'm really bad at managing my time. Um, but I have been able to, read my Bible more. And I feel like I have learned a lot in this time. And I feel really thankful for that. Um, And I feel like I could be a better steward of my time, probably. (laughs) Really, I could. He's really actually very good at it. But um, I think that's where you see the marriage come in where I'm really bad at it and he's really good at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I also think that there is something to be said for slowing down your time. And I think that it's when in history have people ever been told to go home and slow down and spend time with your family and bake something or read something or grow something, do it, take advantage of it because it may be gone all too soon and things could be so different all too soon. And so, you know, take it for all it's worth. And that's one of the things that I really love about our lifestyle that hasn't changed all that much is that we do live a slower, quieter lifestyle at home and um one of my favorite verses is the you know mind your own business and work with your hands uh (laughs) i'm getting it wrong but that general concept we're very creative people we love to be artsy fartsy and make all kinds of things and um you know and we are homebodies we stay at home a lot we do all kinds of projects at home and that fills us <laughs> and that's really how we are steward in our time. Mm-hmm. Quilting like we talked about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of quilt right now. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we'll get to see something uh, someday. Uh, we posted on Facebook there. 
So when um, when I first met Danny, it was in the, the Frank Center basement. She was working on, I believe, a board for all the students for their, their pictures for the, the show. And um, I asked her why she moved here and uh, had not met Jeremy yet. She essentially said it was an act of faith. It was a, a step of faithfulness. And really, you know, what I've known of you and know of you guys is that you guys do take these steps of faithfulness, is that you, you walk this day by day. And you, you have a good grasp on reality of, of what is really happening. Sometimes people try to stuff and they try to deny what's going on, but you guys have grasped it and you said, this is, this is real but yet you've never let go of, of hope and that hope in Jesus Christ. And Danny, as you said earlier, is that, um, you know, whether you're healed now or whether you're healed in eternity, it's, it's healing nonetheless. And, you know, that's such a powerful message for all of us, whether we're suffering health-wise or suffering in, in any other way that it may be, is that that hope in, in Christ is really what is strengthening. And um, it's, as Victor Frankl said, it's this tragic optimism. And, it's a balance you can have. You can have a paradox of seeing things for how they are, but yet still holding on to a strong faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so I want to thank you guys so much uh, for your time, um, for sharing your story, uh, for sharing your heart. Um, I've just been watching some of the comments on here later. Hopefully you'll hop on and read some of them. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you've, you've allowed God to Rolling. What's that? I can't believe this person said this about me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just I just know so many people have been blessed and encouraged uh, by the two of you, and uh, I'm just I'm thankful to call you friends and uh, thankful to know you guys and continue to look forward to um, to walking life with you guys. and And I know there's going to be so many more people that. Uh, are going to know you now and, and share their experiences too uh, because you're not alone in your experience either. And it's one of the powerful things. People, um, we like to share our victories, but people can really relate to our struggles. And that's where people connect us with the struggles. And so thank you for sharing uh, both victories and struggles with us today. Um, so I want to give you a chance. If there's anything else you want to say before I pray uh, and close our time together and give you that opportunity. I don't have anything. I'm just, I'm just glad that you uh, were led to ask us. <laughs> it's way outside of our comfort zone, but I'm glad that we did it. Yeah. Good. Uh, all of us as well uh, who are a part of it. So, uh, so is it okay if I pray? Yes. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. And Lord, we can say that in a full view of both joy and pain. And Lord, I thank you for these few minutes that we had together. God, I thank you for Danny and for Jeremy, God, for sharing their story, sharing so openly and honestly with us. And God, I know that you have done a mighty work in them and through them, um, God, speaking to each one of us. Father God, I pray, God, your continued blessing and provision for the Hamilton family. God, thank you for the work that you're doing. God, I thank you for the joy that's within them that comes from you. And so, Father, as we go through this day, as we go through this week, and whatever lie ahead of us, may we look to you, God, for our strength, for our hope, God, for all that we need. So, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. I have you guys hang on there for just a second. So um, so thankful for everyone that uh, tuned in today. Uh, feel free to leave other comments. I know the Hamiltons will uh, have that. If you have any questions for them too, I'm sure um, they'd love to, to talk with you or talk with me, whatever it may be. And uh, I want to share next week, um, we're going to be doing episode four. People keep tuning in, so we're going to keep doing this. So uh, Hamilton's, you're just, all you did was just help. So uh, <laughs> thank you for being a part of this. Next week, we're actually, we're going to, as school is wrapping up, uh, we're going to talk to some, um, some educators and uh, talk about um, their experiences. And uh, we were talking about homeschooling earlier and uh, you two are educators, which I commend you guys like crazy. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about um, some, some teachers and uh, some different people there. And uh, um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about your, uh, your homeschool. Um, <laughs> uh, but we'll be talking to some, uh, some people about uh, the ending of the school year in such a different way. And so uh, it'll be a good group conversation that we'll have. So, uh, so we're going to sign off. And uh, Hamilton's, you hang on here with me. And so uh, have a great day, everyone. Sure.